My favorite books, TV shows, and movies are often detective murder mystery types. I love the puzzles, the clues, the intrigue, and the formulaic sense of moving towards the goal, each step bringing you closer and closer. There's the thrill of finding out the culprit was someone you never even suspected. Or there's the satisfaction of having figured it out correctly when Poirot or Miss Marple does the big reveal. For some people who enjoy this genre, the joy is only available on the first watch or read. After you know who did it, where's the thrill? Where's the intrigue? You know what happens, so the story has lost some of its impact. Now, for me, that's not really the case. I don't want to rewatch or reread every single story, but there are some that I enjoy over and over, even when I know what happens. Sometimes I have, in fact, forgotten what happens after enough time has passed. Sometimes, like with the Poirots with David Suchet, they are so delightful that I enjoy their company, even having the plot points almost memorized. When you rewatch a show and you know the ending, you see different things. You start to watch how the butler acts suspiciously in a way you never noticed before. Once you know that in the end he did it, details pop out to you that hadn't caught your eye the first time. It's a different experience than when you watched it for the very, very first time. When it comes to stories like Daniel's in the Bible, those of us who grew up inundated with Bible stories can hardly get back to that first watch feeling. We know that he doesn't get eaten by the lions, and so there's little suspense in the night he spends in their den. Similarly with Jesus, we know the stories often too well. Especially at Easter, those of us who preach are often doing all we can to tell the story in such a way that captures the thrill, the intrigue, and the suspense of a first watch. We try to hold ourselves back from moving too quickly to Resurrection Sunday and the happy ending. The ending is obviously incredibly important, though. That Jesus rises from the dead is the reason we're all still doing this whole church thing in the year 2021. Without the ending, human history looks a lot different. But at the same time, some of the importance of the stories does exist in the journey towards the ending, before we get there. Let's hear our first text this morning now. Mike. Morning. The first reading this morning comes from Daniel chapter 6, reading from verses 19 to 26. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should, not take, that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, 
and break all their bones in pieces, or if they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied upon you, unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Amen. Thanks, Mike. This is the end of the story of Daniel and the lion's den. He's safe. He's freed. He's vindicated. The king is sorry and not only frees Daniel, but also makes a law that people should basically worship Daniel's God. Now, this didn't historically happen. There wasn't just some massive conversion to Judaism in ancient Persia, and probably not even a Persian king called Darius. Um, but, but that's not really what the story is telling us. The point of the story for the readers is not about relating historical events, but the message is there that even through the gravest of trials, God is looking out for you. Even in exile in a foreign land and living at the mercy of a capricious foreign king, God is still ultimately in charge. All these stories in Daniel about the four Israelites in the king's court are meant to teach us this. They are meant as comfort for people living through similar situations. And here is where rushing to the end of the story is completely missing the point. If we rush to Daniel, safe and sound, and King Darius repentant and overcome with positive feelings about Daniel and Daniel's God, then we might be fooled into thinking that that is what we are supposed to take away, that the ultimate point is the triumphalism and the happily ever after. But if we place ourselves back a bit in the story and hold off, we can conjure the, the terror and the despair and the rush of adrenaline that would have been the truth for someone in Daniel's situation. And he only had to spend one night in the pit. That would have been a traumatic event, and traumatic events usually aren't over in a flash and with some happily ever after. They stick with you, and they haunt you. If the point of the story is to be comfort during hard times, then rushing to the triumphal ending isn't the most helpful thing. Good for Daniel, but what does that do for me? My life is still a mess. You see, the comfort actually lies in the pit, in the lion's den. Just as the story of the, uh, that is the comfort of the story of the three in the fiery furnace is in the mysterious figure in the furnace with them. It's that with that's the comfort. It's the with that gets us through the hard times. Mike is now going to read our second text for us this morning. Mike. The second reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 28, reading from verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.
may the Lord bless to us the reading of his holy word. Amen. Thanks again, Mike. These verses are called the Great Commission, and they are the very final verses in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus has risen and triumphed over death. It's all great. But remember the part where we go back into the story and not rush to the ending. We've done this often with the Easter story. Let's stick for a bit on Good Friday and Holy Saturday. Those are rough days, hard days, sad days, traumatic days. The comfort of the end only comes after the difficulty. Here's the second layer to this idea, and it actually comes to us fairly naturally from the text from Matthew. Jesus, resurrected, is with the disciples a short time, but he is about to ascend to heaven and leave them again. He sends them into the world to tell everyone about him, but he leaves them with this message. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. For us, for me and for you, we are not at the end of the story. We may know the end of the story of Daniel and Jesus on earth. We may know the end of the story of Peter and Paul and Abraham and David and Ruth and Deborah. But our stories are still being written. We may even still be in the midst of the hardest times in our life right now. The end may in fact be nowhere in sight. What we need in these times is the comfort of the with, the with of the fiery, fiery furnace in the lion's den. We especially need the with of Jesus's words, I am with you always. The promise of Jesus's resurrection is that we too will share in that resurrection one day. We are promised a future where heartache and pain and hardship are not the things that make up our human existence. But until then, we are not at the end of the story. We aren't out of the lion's den, and we aren't at the end of the age. The end is still out there waiting to happen. So what do we do now? What is the message for us when we are going through difficult personal circumstances and the church in the West is going through changes and the world as a whole is in crisis? Are we to rush to the ending and just say, well, it's all gonna be fine, no need to worry. Does that help? Have you ever been in the midst of a crisis and had someone say, it's all gonna be fine in the end, so no need to worry. Does that really help you feel any better? Not really, right? Sometimes knowing the end is helpful, but it doesn't change how we feel in the moment. Knowing that God will return to remake Earth is comforting, but it doesn't change our present circumstances. It doesn't change global poverty and hunger. It doesn't change rising social tension and growing disunity. But what does change that? Well, I think it's the with. God being with us is the change we need. God not fixing us or magically rescuing us, but being with us, sitting in our pain with us, loving us. That makes a difference. That can offer us something. The with is what I think the story is all about. The passage from Matthew is the very, very end, as I said earlier, of Matthew's gospel. But let's go back to the beginning of that gospel for a moment. There's something there at the beginning that's important to hold on to. Before he's even born, 
before his baptism, before his miracles, before his parables, before his death and resurrection, hears what we hear from an angel. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the Lord, by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The ultimate act of God to be with us came in Jesus. And Jesus promised to be with us still through the Holy Spirit. The bookends of the Gospel of Matthew, God with us. Even in the hardest of times, even during the times in our life that may haven't even happened yet, Jesus is with us. Through the storms, through the pain, through the sadness, through it all. Let us take that with us as our stories continue to be written. Let us be reminded that through everything, God is with us in Christ. Let us pray. God, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for entering into our lives, walking alongside of us, sitting with us, crying with us, mourning with us, laughing with us, and feeling everything we feel. Be with us as we continue to write the stories of our lives. Walk with us in the days ahead. And guide us on the journey of this life. In all this we pray in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.